Computer, initialize Holosuite. Welcome to the Fire Caves After Dark, our not-so-unusual or unique or whatever you want to call it, little sideshow that we like to do sometimes when there's just too much to talk about to fit into a regular episode. So we like to do these little asides to not only update you on all things Trek, but also to go outside that a bit and talk about other sci-fi and entertainment things that are of interest to us. Right. As always, I am one of your hosts, Perry. Yep, and I'm your host, David. Thanks for joining us, guys. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube as The Fire Caves. Look forward to talking. What's going on, man? Yeah, so tonight there's um, a couple of different things that we're going to want to talk about. One is, of course, our continuing dive into the all things The Expanse. Um, David and I have both finally completed both books one and two, and are now making way into book three. Also, want to talk a little bit about some of the greater entertainment things that we've seen going on lately in regards to um, characters like uh, Black Adam, Superman, and of course the actors behind them, mm-hmm. Henry Cavill and uh, Dwayne Rock Johnson, of course. Right. Um, now, I will say that pretty much everything you're going to hear is opinion, speculation, half-assed reading of whatever articles that we found in between lunch breaks, right? Right. Um, in no way are we experts and no way are we offering like hardcore, you know, whatever, any, any of that kind of stuff. This is just, Hey, I heard this thought that was kind of interesting, speculate and, and move on. All right? right. So please, if you watch, if you listen, if whatever, don't get all nitpicky on us about this. This is just us kind of musing and spouting our own opinions. All right. Great. Right. So, um, Back to Black Adam, because we were just talking about this a little bit. Yeah. Um, as I said, I I I started watching the movie because I was hearing all the stuff about it and the basically the behind-the-scenes turmoil that seems to be going on right now with a lot of it. And um, I, I'm, I'm just baffled by it. I'm confused by it. Because, like, every day I see yet another little headline, burbit, article, whatever, about how... The movie is the movie is terrible. Uh, the Rock is awful. That people don't like The Rock nearly as much as you know the studios thought, and we're banking <laughs> on and and all this kind of stuff. And I I don't feel like that's the case now. Yes, I like The Rock. I I've always liked him. It's not I'm not necessarily you know a um, like a diehard fan. I guess like I didn't follow his career from way back when he was a wrestler to this. I haven't seen every movie that he's been in or anything like that. But the things that I have seen and, and popped up for like um, um, Jumanji, for example, when he did those movies, uh-huh. or uh, my daughter and I recently watched the Witch Mountain movie on Disney. You know, and I didn't even realize he was in it until you know there he was. Wait, you I know? thought he was in Jungle Cruise, but he's also in the Witch Mountain. Yeah, he's in so back in 2001, 2002, I think they did wow. a a, re, a new version of the movie and he's like the the driver, the one that scoops up the kids in, by happenstance or whatever and ends up taking them to Witch Mountain. He's he's the driver in the movie. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I was just like, I, again, like I was saying, I was shocked. Like, I was watching it because I thought it was a cute little kid's movie for us to watch while she's on, you know, my daughter's on Christmas break. And then, lo and behold, there's The Rock. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and enjoyed, we did, we both enjoyed the movie. Right. Um, but it wasn't like, you know, it, it, again, I, I don't, I don't follow him religiously, basically, you know. Right. And, um, so and I've only ever seen nothing but good things, positive things about him. You know, he's told his life story many times and, you know, from poor to super famous and all that other kind of stuff. Great overall story. But I don't see the whole no one likes The Rock as much as people think they like The Rock or some nonsense like that. He just seems like a generally he's a good guy, a bit of an overachiever, maybe, but a good guy. But the stuff that I'm hearing about the behind the scenes of the movie just makes no sense to me. 
you know? Okay. And it's and it's like they're trying to blame him for the failure of the movie, and I don't think it's his fault. I think it's DC's fault. DC has never been able to put together a really strong live-action movie, despite yes. numerous attempts. Right. Now, the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, I'm going to call those outliers. I don't they, even know why those movies are so successful. Well, they um, when the Man of Steel movie came out, that was the first movie in the current DC extended universe, I think they're calling it. But mm-hmm. yeah, the the Nolan Batman films were their own thing in part because they were coming out around the time like Iron Man was coming out. Like 2008 was Iron Man and the Dark Knight, and Iron Man went on to like do the Avengers, and the Dark Knight did the Dark Knight Rises, and then that was the end of that. And then they, several years behind, you know, Marvel started doing their own cinematic universe, and they never had a consistent vision. And uh, yeah, they I agree, they've had problems making good movies. I, I stand by my original statement I made. I made this one several years ago. Was that I feel like DC's biggest problem is they suck at origin stories, and yet that seems to be all they want to tell. We have watched the story of Batman's origin, the story of <laughs> Superman's origin, so many times. It's just like we know what happened at this point. Please progress the storyline, yeah. and that's where the 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 cartoons and the comic books. I feel like that's why they're so successful because they they solidified that particular part of the story, and now they have moved on and they've given us great expansions on that foundation, and yet the live action movies. That seems to be the story they want to tell over and over again. We know Bruce Wayne watched his parents get murdered. We know Krypton blew up. I don't need to see it played out again (laughs) and again and again and again. I just like move on from that already. Here's the irony, because if James Gunn taking over the DC universe and I guess rebooting it, he says the reason he fired Cavill from the role of Superman is he wants to do a young Superman film. I don't oh know if my that's going to require an origin story, but I imagine it will be sprinkled in there somewhere. So. Okay, so now he's doing the other thing. He's doing the other thing that I hate, the prequel. I can't stand prequels. It just It's an area that does not need to be explored. Like, if, if it was that significant, then they should have done it first. Yeah. Stop with this whole, oh, we know him as the man. Let's see him as the boy. No, let's not. <laughs> let's not. I don't need to see Superman struggle with puberty, while also superpowers. I mean, that's what the show Smallville was about. Smallville was a great show. I'll give it credit for exploring an area for that that part of a prequel. But again, it's been done. Right. I don't need to see it again. It's done. Give right. me something new. You well, know? Um, <coughs> yeah, I'm just... Yeah, give me something new. I think that's where I'm at on this. Well, it's interesting that you uh, point out the origin story thing. Because James Gunn produced a movie that I think his brother directed. But I'm not exactly sure who directed it. But anyway... It's called Brightburn, and it was supposed to be like a horror take on the Superman origin story where, you know, Superman the boy came and had all these powers but wasn't benevolent but was in fact a torturous, evil, you know, sadist, you know, a psychopath. Um, And so when a, you know, 13-year-old boy starts discovering his powers, how he'll start killing people with ease. Um, So it's interesting that James Gunn basically made a, you know, a, a young superman film that was supposed to be a you know a critique of the superman mythos and dc turns around and says that was great let's have you do the the positive you know flowery version (laughs) i mean i'm just i I, i'm just so over it and and then you know again i was watching black adam tonight and like i said I, i find myself agreeing more with um, the, the character of Black Adam from the bit of the story that they've told so far. Now, um, I, I don't know anything about Black Adam besides the little bits that were seen here and there in various cartoons or whatever else, just very small bits. I don't know the whole story of Black Adam. Um, from what they're showing in the movie, he was a slave who got some powers and fought down um, a tyrant and then something happened that he was entombed, imprisoned, and shrouded, whatever term they were using there, until he's released 5,000 years later. I just got to the point where, you know, the other heroes, Hawkman, Dr. Fate, or Mr. Fate, whatever his name is, some some tornado girl and some, I don't know, some rip-off Adam, yeah, show up, and they're like, oh, he's not the hero you think he is, and then they start to reveal that you know, um, yes, there was a Mad King. 
yes, he did put down the Mad King, but he didn't do it because he was trying to be a hero. He did it because he was getting revenge. Yeah. And uh, the the mystics who gave him his powers imprisoned him because he went on a murderous rampage, right. basically. Once they gave him the powers, he went on this rampage. And so now the lady that um, freed him is now trying to convince him to be a hero. Don't yeah. be a raging revenge monster. Be the hero that um, Kondok needs. And that was the last part I saw before I, I stopped right. to do this. Oh, and uh, that reminds me, by the way, the lady in the movie is Shaw yep. from Person of Interest, right? Yep. And I was like, wow, um, you know, she looks almost the same. Like, yeah. it was weird. Ageless, yeah. She's um, beautiful. Yeah. Woman, but I did not like her character, Shaw, in the Person of Interest, unfortunately. No, I just... She was the worst yeah, but that was... But yeah, that was interesting to, to see her. But yeah, I mean... So I'm, I'm again, you know, they face, they put the whole plight of Kondok out there, and it's um, taken over by mercenaries, and they're impoverished, and they're exploited, and they're oppressed, and then here he comes, and he could potentially um, um, save them. Right. And I'm like, yeah, um, I get why he was angry. Right. You know. Um, but yeah, he could be the hero now. So go do it. And that's where that's where we are. So as I was saying, the movie is interesting, but at the same time boring. Um and I'm not necessarily knocking the rock for this either. Again, I blame DC for their overuse of um CGI. They've got some great actors playing these parts, you right. know, not just Black Adam, but also, you know, Mr. Fate or what's Pier his name? It's Dr. Fate played Doc by Pierce Brosnan. Dr. Fate. Yeah. yeah, and it's played by Pierce, Pierce freaking Brosnan. Yeah. And he's wasted. So far, he's totally wasted in this. And I'm He'll like, I don't know if it's... have a bigger role to play later in the film, but I know what you're talking okay. about. They certainly don't do much to introduce him. He's just always touching they his don't. helmet. He's like, I've had a vision. My helmet gave me a vision. <laughs> it's like... Yeah. Can we get to know you as a person before we start throwing right. that, the, the, the Black Adam? And then it's yeah, and it's all odd, oddly, awkwardly juxtaposed to this weird, young, love, fumbling, newbie trope that's going on with the Adam and the Tornado, tornado Girl. I don't even remember what her name yeah. is. Yeah, she didn't. I don't, I don't remember her name either. She's just yeah. there to be a girl on the team, frankly. <laughs> That's, I mean, honestly, that's what it seems like. I mean, she seems like the most useless one. Like, they introduced her as, yes, she can create, she has wind manipulation, so she can create tornadoes. Okay, but she's also supposed to be, like, a super genius. wicked smart, and yeah. Smooth, yeah, can do all the computer stuff or whatever, but she's done none of that yet, except now she's created a couple of tornadoes where she whips some pipes at him. And I was like, this man, we've watched him bulldoze walls, mountains, stop uh, missiles with his bare hands. Right. You surrounding him with old rusty pipes does what? Yeah. Does what? Yeah. So yeah, it just a, a lot of nice visuals, I guess, but none of it making any sense. And then all of it with tight, you know, close-ups of the rock looking very intense. Yeah, he has <laughs> unfortunately just one facial expression the whole film. I mean, he's the rock, so he does a great job of that intense kind of stare, but yeah, he's. A, I mean, I think he's playing the character a certain way, and I don't. I, I think I agree with you. I think he's fine in the role, um, but because the rest of the character, the rest of the cast, don't get much storytelling to Devel build them up yeah. as characters. Yeah, it means that the whole film as a whole kind of suffers. And then Hawkman is basically a knockoff <laughs> Black Panther, and I don't like that at all. I, I don't. I mean, there's no explanation for it whatsoever. He yeah. is How did he end up with the X-Men's you know, black jet? Right, <laughs> jet and it's all made out of nth metal, and he lives at basically the the X-Men's version of the Charles yeah. Xavier Mansion, right. but on steroids in the middle of Louisiana, inexplicably. Like, again, none of this <laughs> stuff makes sense. And he's got all this, you know, stuff. In the, and, you know, when he's walking through in a couple of the scenes, you know, they've got him dressed in his obligatory um, African robes and whatever else. And I'm like, if it's a part of the character, fine, but do a better job of introducing it, not making it so overt and in my face that it's a clear, 
you know, wink and a nod, we're whatever at Black Panther. It's like, we understand the success of Black Panther and Black figures, so without paying it the due diligence we should, we're just going to sprinkle it all over this character and hope you're satisfied. Right. Like, that's that's it, and I don't like it. Right. I don't like it at all. Like, if maybe if that character had their own you know, I guess, origin story, standalone movie, something that explained a little bit more about this instead of them just thrusting it so grotesquely in my face, I would feel better about it. But without any understanding of the character, it just seems like they're trying to siphon off from um, um, Black Panther. And I don't like it. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, the character definitely has a history in the comics, but again... We never get to int- – well, he's never introduced as an individual. He's just a team leader. No. <laughs> and it's like hey, – right. And why is he the team leader? Like there's nothing that says he should be the team leader other than he apparently is very rich. Yeah. And it's like by default he's our team leader because he's rich and he's got all the toys that we need. Like it doesn't make any sense. And especially right. for a movie that is dealing so much with this mystical history – the person who should be in charge is Dr. Fate. It's yeah. it's painfully obvious that he should be the one who's rounded up the team and who's found the people that he needs to yep. in order to combat um Black Adam. Right. But none of that is there. Right. And I don't know I don't know if that's just a writing choice, if that's a um actor availability choice. They really wanted Pierce Brosnan to do it, but maybe he couldn't do it to the extent that they wanted him to because of other commitments or Whatever, you know, I, I don't know, but there's just not enough to make it okay in the way of a uh, of this oversight. Right. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't hold up. Now, again, I'm only about an hour into the movie. I do intend to finish the movie. Right. Um, but I see a lot of potential. Is it totally squandered? Don't know. Um We'll see. I am still shocked to find out that, you know, they're already dumping uh, The Rock and are already planning a different type of Black Adam for the future of DC movies. Right. And stuff. And it just means, oh, great, we're going to get yet another another Black Adam origin story at some point. We're going to yeah. get another one. Well, it's funny, too, because they're about to come up with another, another Shazam movie. So if mm-hmm. Black Adam has the same powers as, as Shazam, I mean... The fact that the characters aren't interacting in this film is actually a little bit of a problem because the idea is supposed to be that they have matching powers and, you know, the little boy that becomes the hero Shazam going up against a hardened killer, Black Adam, is supposed to be, you know, powerful. Um, but Well, uh, they say that that's The Rock's fault, too. They were saying that he had some kind of problem with the Shazam movies in general well, and didn't want to be a part of them. There's not a whole lot of explanation on that, but something about him just not wanting to be, you know, I guess, second string to the Shazam character or whatever. It, again, there's a lot of... It's a lot of rumor, a lot of speculation. It doesn't sound like... Um, the 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 rock persona that I guess we've become more familiar with. I mean, he's been a part of ensemble cast before many times, and they've been always been very successful. Why he would suddenly out of nowhere be like, "Nope, not gonna do it." That doesn't make sense to me. Right. Um. It and 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 again to kind of lead into the the Henry Cavill stuff. It almost sounds like he, here's a person who had a particular vision. And was and and pitched that vision in order to be involved in the story. They said yes at first, and then once things were signed, they were like, you know what, we're gonna do something totally different. And they and that and then that person was like, well, no, we talked about this. We said we we're gonna do this, you know, kind of reminding them. And over time, tensions build until finally, the star had to walk away. Are you thinking of, of Superman, or are you also thinking of The Witcher? There, I mean, that's what I'm Witcher. thinking of. Yeah, I'm thinking a bit of both. I'm thinking Superman. I'm thinking The Witcher. You know, especially with The Witcher, <coughs> we all know one of the main things that you know Henry Cavill talked about the most was you know he he had been a longtime fan of the series. He had read them all. He you know knew so much about it. You know, and and, and at first initially that was touted as a bit of a you know, a win for them that they had an actor who really knew the source material, but over time, it's like the more he pushed for them to stay true to the source material, 
the worse and worse and worse he was. He's he went from being the guy, the the epitome of Garot, down to he's impossible to work with, and he shows up late, and he's distracted, and he's he's this and that, and you know, until finally we're gonna have to recast Garot, and we're gonna go with Liam Hemsworth. Yeah, yeah, you and I were texting. I, I like, Liam Hemsworth yeah. in, is not <laughs> Henry Cavill. Yeah, no. um, I'm going to give you a small, little, teeny spoiler for yeah. Black Adam film. At the very end, um, Amanda Waller sends Superman to go talk to Black Adam. I knew this, and okay. I think that's why I, I finally decided to watch the movie, because I knew that she sends Superman to meet him, and it's Cavill. Yeah. And that was, because I remember what they announced. Yeah. Right. And I remember when it was when it was announced that Cavill was coming back to play Superman, and they were going to have this Black Adam Superman moment, and I thought that was cool, and that's kind of what got me to want to watch the movie. But before I'd even see the movie, I heard that, yes, the scene was filmed, it was awesome. Now they're both out. Neither yeah. one of them is playing Superman or or Black Adam again. I was like, what? Well, I mean, what happened? Right. What was the point? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if so, James Gunn was just given a blank check and he just said, yeah, I'm doing my own thing or or what. But, uh, yeah, it seems – I mean, let me put it this way. James Gunn has a lot to prove. And quite frankly, I, I mean, I like the Guardians of the Galaxy films fine, but I don't think James Gunn's vision is a – extended universe vision quite frankly um i think yeah. kevin feige's vision for the mcu has also been faltering since endgame um but uh yeah, yeah what are the end is this phase two of the mcu stuff no, phase, phase four two. they're in phase four we're in right? phase four yeah well endgame wow. is the end of with three so okay yeah because it went iron man to the avengers at six films that was phase one then it was uh iron man three through avengers Two, which was like eight, seven films with like, um, yeah, it was like six, seven films. And then um, the Civil War movie happens after the second Avengers film, and it's kind of like the midpoint. And then they had um, Infinity War, which is where Thanos wins. And then they did Ant-Man and the Wasp and Captain Marvel and then Endgame. And Endgame wrapped up all the storylines. And ever since then, they've been struggling to come up with a consistent storyline to make sense for the continued stories because none of the characters are really interacting in a forward moving way. Um, it's kind of a problem, frankly. I've stopped watching certain shows. Like, I didn't go see the right. Black Panther. Um, I haven't watched She-Hulk. I hear it was really misogyn- or like super, right. super anti-misogynistic, like shove it in the audience's face. Kind of, It's like, do you need to offend all your male viewers just to get one off on the audience? Like, Okay, um, but uh, yeah, I I did not I did not watch She Hulk. I um I I just I had no interest in watching that show. Right. Um, I don't know much about She Hulk, and I'm not saying necessarily saying that was the reason that I didn't go and watch it. You know, the lack of knowledge is thing. But I guess it's like, and I've said this before. Like the more someone insists that I must do something, the less that I want to do it. And it just became, and that was what She-Hulk was over and over again. You have to watch it. You have to watch it. Like, no, I don't. Yeah. And to prove to you that I don't have to, I'm not gonna. And the more <laughs> you talk about it, I'm not gonna watch it, right? Right. And, um, you know, I did see um, uh, Wakanda Forever because I felt it necessary to finish that. You know, I, I watched. Yes. I watched the first one. And then, you know, with especially with Chadwick's death, um, you know, I felt I, I really did need to finish that movie. I thought it was a great movie. I thought Angela Bassett in particular did a um, a fantastic job. I'm glad that that is done. I don't know where they would go from here with the next bit of Black Panther, if they're going to do any more. I didn't get the feeling that they would. Like, they always kind of give you these little, you know, teasers and whatever else to make you think so. But at the same time, not... They didn't make it seem pressing or necessary, right. I'll say. So if something else comes of it, right. fine. Um, I have not watched um, what was the the spinoff there, Captain um, with Bucky oh, and um, the... no, no, the no, other Captain one Falcon with uh, Soldier. Yes, I haven't. I haven't watched any of that. Mm-hmm. I um, I don't know why. Again, just. Had well, no interest. You know, I was. There's one part in like the 
like the second to last episode, which I thought was good. And then in the last episode, the character of the Falcon, he becomes the new Captain America. He puts on a Captain America outfit, but he has the shield now. And he still has his wings and everything. And he basically goes on this weird monologue where he basically just tells people to do better. <laughs> you need to do better, Senator. And it's a really kind of flat, you know, kind of falls on its face monologue. It's supposed to be like an uplifting, challenge you to do better kind of um, speech. But it falls really flat. And so it really puts a bad taste in your mouth right there at the end. Mm. Um, yeah. I, 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 there's And there's just so many of them. And then there was, of course, all of the wanda vision and the wanda maximoff and the and what was it doctor strange and the universe of madness and she goes crazy and then we've got multiple versions of all the various superheroes and we've got um uh jim from the office playing mr fantastic and i mean there was there was so much all at once that it just it made me lose interest i suddenly had no interest in any of it i was like i don't i don't get it and then like it's all these overpowered for no reason characters and then that's the other thing too it's like they're overpowered but then they all lose their minds wanda maximoff is now suddenly the most powerful um Marvel character, mutant, witch, whatever. And then she goes crazy and she kills everybody. She kills Professor X. She kills um, Black Bolt. (laughs) She kills Jim. She kills uh, Uh, Peggy Lee. Lee. Yeah. Yeah. She kills everybody. And I'm just like, okay. Uh, I guess. Yeah. You know, again, again, there's so many different things that, yeah, I just, I stopped paying attention to all of it. So, you know, I guess I kind of, was like let's go back to dc and see what they're doing and again their live action stuff is just not that good um and i just don't understand why why are your cartoons better dc like can you answer that question why the characters your cartoons so better in the animated show this is like stuff like samurai jack the characters fantastic show by the way yes are are simple but they're um they're upstanding, they're sympathetic, they're empathetic. Like, that scene of Batman sitting down with the little girl, Ace, as she's dying and just comforting her. Like, he can't save her. Um, her powers are causing her brain to, to, you know, die. And it's it's sweet. There are sweet, small moments. Um, like, the, the Mask of the Phantasm. Bat, uh, Bruce Wayne at the gravesite of his parents, begging them to let him not be Batman. <laughs> Like, I didn't expect to find love. I didn't expect to find happiness. Please let me give up my promise to you. Like, that's powerful stuff. Especially when he then says later on, I am vengeance, I am the knight, I am Batman. Like, nope, he went the other way. He's committed. Uh, It's great. Uh, And there's no great outstanding line like that that I can think of. Even in the Marvel movies, to be frank, other than the I am Iron Man line, which was, was a classic. Um both the first time he says it and in Endgame, but uh, yeah, it, there's there's heart in those animated shows. Like the in in Samurai Jack, there's the Scotsman. You know, the two of them are walking on a bridge. Oh my they, god! And neither one of them it's is one my willing. Favorite. It's one of my favorite episodes yeah, of that show. <laughs> neither one of them is willing to go. Like for some reason, they have to travel all the way back to the other end of the bridge in order to make room for the other person to pass. And yeah. neither one of them is willing to do that when they're both superhumans in their ability to fight. So one of them could have just hung on the bottom of the bridge. I don't know, something crazy. Or or Jack could have just jumped over him because we yes. watched like two episodes earlier right. where he learned how to jump good and that yes. was like jump really high and i'm like yes. okay why didn't you just jump over him yeah and you then know? the scotsman right. becomes like his best friend <laughs> right them. like yeah. they they bond over which one aku wants to kill most yeah and they're mad when that when one's temporarily uh one ups the other right it's a great episode and then yeah. i don't know did you did you see where they finally came back and finished the samurai jack story right and so we got what was that like? I think it was like maybe one season, maybe two. Yeah. No, no, it was one they final season. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And at the final battle, he and all of his out. daughters come back and help him fight the final yeah. Faku. Yeah. 
along with so, all, the, I mean, it was, all the people he helped over his, his journeys. Over the yeah, I yeah. mean it was a great way to end a show and I mean for especially for a character like Samurai Jack who for the longest time, I mean, didn't talk a whole lot. Much of that cartoon is just him wandering through, glaring at people and then Killing things, you <laughs> know. That, that's it. Yeah, never he has to Usually kill something. It's a robot. It's never an, like a flesh and blood person that he kills. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I mean, other characters talk. You know, he meets different historical figures, like he meets King Leonidas. You know, in the infamous three hundred and all that kind of stuff. And they do a lot of talking. Jack doesn't. But yeah, I mean, again, great. I think it would be totally ruined if they did a live action version of it because the need for dialogue would would there are some trump episodes, everything else there are some episodes that are so minimal in dialogue it's just the beauty of the animation like the one yeah. where he's walking in snow and all of these uh mercenaries are talking about how they would kill him and then the final climax is him just slowly walking in the snow and the ice dripping water and all of the mercenaries waiting, waiting, waiting. And then in a blink of an eye, he defeats all of them and the episode's over. It's just great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ah, yeah, that show is fantastic. See, see, once again, like it's great animation, great stuff. You know, I watched, um, what was it? the justice league and it was like apocalypse rising i think it was called and it's the one where um uh dark side wins and he tortures everybody else mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. until like batman becomes one of his servants right. he tattoos uh kryptonite s on superman's chest so he can never have his powers again yeah. you know he he mutilates a bunch of the other ones and like they're now like half whatever they were and then half robot right. and just a bunch of terrible things he's done to them since he won. Right. And they, you know, have to, and then it's like the B team, the ragtag of various villains and whatever else come in and do just enough to kind of free up our main superhero so they can reset time. Right. You know, um, but it was a great movie. <coughs> like it was, it was well done. It was gruesome. And I, I didn't, I didn't like that aspect of it, but it was overall, well done right. for a movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't understand why they can't do that in uh, <laughs> in these live-action films. Yeah. It's uh, a shame. <laughs> I want to I, I come up with an answer, but I don't, I don't have one. <laughs> I, I, don't, yeah, I, don't think, I don't think that there is one. I don't understand why that... And I, I blame it on their refusal... To move past the origin story. Everybody wants to do their version of the origin story, but it always is the same thing. It's this one-dimensional story to tell, and it's made up of all these very well, you know, muscled out, overly done up, um, you know, pretty boys to pose. It's just an endless series of them in various states of, of posing. And I'm bored with that. I'm bored with that. Like, give me an actual story. Um maybe maybe they'll get there maybe james gunn will finally see the light and we'll stop that if you're talking about him doing a teenage prequel movie i guess not i guess that's another area of movies i'm not going to watch anymore as i continue to age out of of all of this (laughs) i have i have no interest in watching a 15 year old superman not anymore i did that when i was like i said i did that when i was 15 with smallville when that show was out the actor who played young clark kent in smallville is now like 45 years old right all right we're, I'm done. Yeah. I don't need it anymore. Right. All right. But the so new generations, I guess, man, new generations of, of of people who haven't heard the story, man. <laughs> I guess that's it. I guess that's the the chasing the ever young dollar is what's yeah. important. You know, yep. I I said once before, I finally reached the age of irrelevancy. Like no one cares about my opinion, my money, my my insight, or whatever. At, at 36 years old, I'm out of the. I'm out of that age bracket where I matter, apparently. So. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, so thanks for listening to our podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say, I saw Avatar yesterday, the new one. Um, and it was fine. If you've seen the first one, it's just basically more of the yeah. same. Um, except this time, instead of it being mainly in the sky and on these dragon-like creatures, they're in water and they're riding fish-like creatures that are like flying fish. So like when they uh, spread their fins, they can like kind of glide. And so if their tail is in the water, they can still continue to push themselves forward and glide across the top of the water. They're just visually very awesome. 
but the story mm-hmm. is more focused on the teenage children of Jake Sully and Materi from the first film. There's Jake and Materi are in it, and they're the parents of these kids, but m- there's a good chunk of the movie in the middle where it's just focusing on the kids and then how that leads into the conflict at the end of the film. It's okay. It's not the greatest thing ever written. Neither was the first one, frankly, but they're both visual masterpieces. So if you want to watch something that makes you go, wow, that's visually stunning and makes you go, I wish I had some weird braid thing with tentacles that I could plug into another animal and suddenly I'm like in perfect control of it, that'd be awesome. But part of me is also annoyed with the whole, I mean, the storyline is that humans have destroyed Earth and so they're coming to Pandora to like resettle it. And that's the reason why they're so destructive is because they're, like, kind of desperate to recolonize a planet. But then it's not Mm -hmm. that because they're trying to get the, you know, in the first film, it's unobtainium they're trying to get, which is a terribly named (laughs) metal that they're trying to get. MacGuffin. Yeah, very dumb. (laughs) In this film, they have something different, so I won't won't spoil that. But, um, yeah, it's like, okay, wait a minute, are you guys trying to, like, save humanity, and therefore all of your terrible decisions have, like, a, you know, a moral balance that you're trying to reach, or are you guys just a bunch of money-grubbing jerk faces who just destroy everything you touch? And, uh, yeah. like, for example, in the first film, there are human characters, like Jake, who's one of the main heroes, he's the main hero, I rewatched the original film before I went and saw the new one. And, like, the science team, and they're all, like, the good guys. Like, they join with him in his rebellion against the human, the, the corrupt humans. In this film, there are no new humans that have a similar journey. There are some characters that return from the first film, uh, like the Indian science guy and the, the other Avatar-driving uh, science dude who arrives with Jake in the first film. Like, they're back, but uh, most of it's just the, the visual wonder of this world, Pandora. So it's fun. Yeah. Um, not the greatest thing ever, but not the worst. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's going to make nearly as much money as the first one did, which apparently it cost them $2 billion with a B to make this film. What? And he's apparently planned like five more, and the next one they've already shot. Yeah, I was going to say, they've, they've, yeah, they've already. Uh... Apparently it's nine hours long, and he's, he's going to cut it Wait. down later. The third one is nine hours long? Yeah. If the Lord of the Rings original theatrical editions all came to about nine hours, then, yeah, I don't know how he's going to do that. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't understand that. Like, I mean, if, if the movie's good, I'll sit there for two hours. But three? you're pushing your luck at three. <laughs> at nine? I'm, I don't get I don't, well, I don't that's care. Like... Yeah. That movie had better have filmed legit first contact with aliens if you want me to sit through <laughs> nine hours. I'm not kidding. Like it, when it, that movie ends, I expect to have my phone blowing up because they're they're waiting outside. Yeah. Like that's that's yeah, nine nine hours. Yeah, I don't know. That, what's literally, going on. I gotta I gotta miss all of work. Like everything <laughs> stops to go and watch that movie. Yeah. You're that's a work day. You clocked you didn't go to that movie, you clocked in. Yes. Like, that's you ridiculous. Pay me to watch this film, yeah. Right. Um, right. So it's funny. I saw so the Babylon B is a, a satirical website and they made a, a a a fake headline saying uh famous filmmaker um uh set makes 3-hour film all about water with no pee breaks. <laughs> um so yeah. Ugh. Well, yeah. well, Jesus! I I did not know that. I did know that they had filmed the third one. I did know that there were uh, like at least two more that were planned in that. Um, I also remember when the first one came out, and you know it came out with all the three D bells and whistles and stuff. Of course, right. I remember the story before I went to see it of a man in um, the Philippines, I think, who went to the movie, watched it in three D, and died had a heart attack and died that it was so visually overwhelming that he died in the theater <laughs> watching. And I have to admit when I first heard that, this is before I had seen anything, any of the movie or whatever. When I first heard that kind of terrified me a little bit. I was like, I don't, I don't want to die yeah. before a movie. Um, but when I did go and see it, I did see it opt for it in the, in the 3d. It was actually the first movie I ever saw in 3d and I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, I don't know if they're offering a 3D version of this one. They should. Yes. The, so the showing that I went to yesterday, which is why we pushed this 
back, actually, was a 3D IMAX showing. Oh, and nice. It was great, beautiful. I do think that 3D is a little bit overrated, frankly. It's a medium that, I mean, for three hours. We haven't it's, perfected. Yeah, I mean, for three hours, it's great and beautiful, but at some point, your mind just gets used to it, and so it's just not as visually interesting as it was when, like, you first put your glasses on. Mm. So, I don't know. I felt like I, if I was going to get the full experience. I might as well do it IMAX 3D, and okay, I did it. I'm yeah. done. <laughs> you don't have to, though. Okay. <laughs> you can just I, I mean, I, I figure I should keep the trend going. I saw the first one in 3D. I should go and see the next one in, in 3D and just kind of keep it going. But um, I don't know if I'm... I'm actually going to go see it because I mean I have my you know my kid and so she'd be coming with me. You know what? Actually, thinking about it, I bet you she would love it. But I mean, she wouldn't understand. I don't think she would really get the concept. I think that you're right. Like the the visually stunning aspect of the movie would be what would thrill her right. less than the storyline or more than the storyline. Yeah. So yeah, the baddie's bad. Yeah. You know, the baddie from the first film returns. I won't explain what happens there because it's a kind of a little twist. Yeah. Yeah, um, don't. I yeah. appreciate that. Don't, yeah. don't do that. Um, but we'll. I, I'll get to it, and when I do, I'll. Uh, we'll. We'll touch base again, and um, we can talk about that too. Um, but now, of course, we do need to finally turn our attention to the expanse, um, which is kind of like the whole reason that we had come to do this in the first place. <laughs> Just a lot of other stuff happened between the last time we talked about doing this and now. Right. Um, so, yes, as I said, we've both just finished the first two books. Have you started reading the third? Not yet. I'm currently rereading okay. uh, Christmas Carol. I read it last year. I'm reading it again this year. After Christmas, I plan on uh, picking up book three. Okay. So I, I have started book three, just barely. Like I, I've gotten like maybe five pages in. So uh, no big deal. But, um, yeah, finish the first book. Uh, finish the second book. So where we are in the expanse is basically that the ring has formed yes, or that the ring has the, the blob has departed Venus and has now moved out to somewhere between Saturn and the inner planets and is forming a ring. And, um, uh, you were absolutely right about the second book. I loved Avasarala. The whole way through, I um, looked for more of her, was mad that I realized there were certain things they were talking about in the book that were never going to be, were never a part of the show, and were never going to be a part of the show. But they were just great scenes. Is there a particular um, thing you're thinking of? Yeah, I, you know, the, there's a whole section in here where she's on um, Mao's cruise liner ship right? right and they described the ship so opulently you know it's it was designed for luxury designed to be beautiful and so forth and she's completely cut off from everybody and she's just bitching it's a gilded cage for her yeah yes yes and she's griping about it the whole time and the exchange she has um with bobby, bobby mm-hmm. and you know talking about her suit and everything she talks about how and all the times that she had talked to Bobby, she had never feared her until Bobby started talking about her suit and getting back into it and right. getting ready yeah. and how Bobby just her demeanor changed. And I was like, I really wish that scene had been in there, had been in the show a little bit right. just to make her more threatening, menacing than she already was. Right. Um, now, absolutely no uh, gripes with the actress who played Bobby Draper in the show. Right. I loved her. I can't think of what her name is right now. I thought she did a great job. It's, um, um, it's Frankie something. Because it's Bobby and then her name yeah. really is Frankie something. I, I know. I remember uh-huh. that. Anyway, but keep going. Well, um, the physical description for Draper always, I'm just like, man, if they had been able to find somebody who like <laughs> more accurately matched that. Um, would have been fantastic. Yeah. yeah, she's she's huge. Like they, you know, they talk about her all the time. Like out, even outside of her armor, she's physically imposing. She's not only tall, she's buff. She's strong. Yeah. She looks like yeah. If you look at her wrong, she could snap your neck. Like I, I don't know if a woman like that actually exists. I'm, a, you know, I'm assuming somebody out there. There's got to be some woman who is you know <laughs> six five and, and dedicated to bodybuilding or whatever yeah. i think that would just be impressive to see on screen in, in the role that they have bobby in for here um but again the actress does a great job mm-hmm. not knocking that at all right. um 
they give several descriptions of Amasarawa in this book. I didn't like any of them because in my head <laughs> that, you know, firmly cemented is Sheree and uh, <laughs> she's fantastic. And I don't care. They can call her the old lady all you want to, but um, with gray hair. Sheree, yeah. I, yeah. Sheree Agdashli was amazing. Yeah. She is absolutely amazing. And um, yeah, she captured that character so well that you were, you nailed it. I, I, every line I read it in her voice. Yes. I heard her voice. I heard her speaking, and um, it was fantastic. Yeah. Um, my only regret from both the book and the show is that there is not more Avasarala. I could definitely handle more for her. <laughs> so I'm hoping, I'm hoping as I move into book three, that they do give me more um, of Avasarala. And um, well, that's an interesting point because in the yeah. show, you know, it's the middle of season three that the that we're in the show version. And when the ring comes out, Avasarala is back on Earth, I think, and she becomes the leader of Earth in the show. Mm -hmm. So I don't think we're going to see quite as much of her for a little bit. No, actually, no. She's like in the middle of like a running for office or something. Anyway, yeah, she. Uh... Yeah, so in the yeah in the in the show, by the time the ring has emerged she's kind of the de facto leader right. the whole situation with Jules pierre mao and aaron wright and uh the former secretary general has oh, pretty much taken everybody out. <laughs> yeah, yeah pretty much taking everybody else out like he's still the secretary general but he's not nearly as influential and she's kind of like the go-to point person she's the new undersecretary because aaron wright lost his position she got his job and she's ruined mao so yeah, she's like next in line, right. and then something happens, and the undersecretary steps down, and then she becomes the uh, appointed leader. She takes the position, and then we later do watch as she runs for the office right. um, on the show. Right. But they haven't gotten to that in the book yet, and where and where book two ends, um, she is she is back on Earth, but she. Um, has not been appointed as undersecretary as of yet. She has way more power and authority because Aaron Wright has basically been, you know, Side pushed line. aside. Yeah, but he hasn't been totally removed from power yet. So, but she's already in that position to ruin Mao, which what she tells him. She's going to erase him from, from history. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, great, great scene, too. That was another one that should have been, should have been in the show. Well, I would have loved that. This is actually a great point. So you and I disagree. You like the book scenes better. I like the show scenes better. I think the show was like their second attempt to like make certain things work, make it more visually appealing, work out some of the kinks in the storytelling. Mao in the show, we actually follow him at least during part in season two, and he's the one who's um, with the scientists as they're studying the protomolecule on the children, and he's our point of view character for those scenes. But in the show. He doesn't. I'm sorry. In the books, he doesn't have anything like that going on. He's mm -hmm. he uh, puts Avasarala in her gilded cage, which is his space yacht, and at the end of the book, she's threatening him with like, "I got you." So I like that in the show we got to see more of the sciency. What are they doing to the kids? Bit, um, but mm -hmm. you like that scene? I think with the that final interrogation at the end of the book. Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah, I mean, I do like the show for the fact that they did make Mao a bit more hands-on what was going on with his company and Protogen and everything else. And I think that that's something that was uh, um, a little bit of an oversight for the books. I don't know if they had ever intended to go back, because they do allude to it a little bit, but there's a lot of, we need to keep him in this weird gray area of plausible deniability, whereas the show makes him way more culpable for the kids and for his daughter's death and all the rest of it. Right. Um, I I think that there was room here for both. They could have made him a bit more devious in the books. And then that ending scene where she's confronting him and saying how she's going to erase him would have been just, just fantastic to see in the show. Instead, what we get really is, we see where she threatens Mal, but she ultimately really comes after Aaron, right? When she, you know, the, placing that culpability on him and linking him to a lot of this as to how Mal got his maneuvering ability and authority to do what he did, how that came from Aaron Wright's office. She really nails Aaron Wright on the show. Um, 
to me, there was room for both. She could have nailed Aaron Wright. She could have done the same thing with Mal and kind of had both of them in dressing down scenes. And I would have loved all of that. Right. Um, yeah, I, I just... There are certain aspects of not having her um, confront certain things that would have helped out with legitimizing what other characters were doing in the name of the government or in the, in the name of saving everybody else's butt, right? And I, I I get it sometimes when they do it on TV because there's that, you've got these parallel storylines and you're always waiting for the characters to converge and talk and share notes and say what's going on. But if they did that, then it feels like all of our conflict would be resolved, right? Right. So they constantly do this whole, the two sides don't know respectively what the others are doing, even though they're technically doing the same things. Right. And you're just kind of waiting for them to finally have that moment where they talk and they lay it all out and whatever else. The book gives us that. And like, and that's why I was saying, like, that's why I do enjoy the books more, because the books make that stuff happen. Whereas the shows, they have to keep us kind of, they have to keep everything apart to continue to drive the plots more. Okay. So... That's that's my only real critique of the show as to something that I don't like that I wish they would just stop doing because it wouldn't hurt the story at all to just have your, especially all of your protagonists, have them on the same page. Holden and company are doing what Avasarala wants, but they don't know they're doing what Avasarala wants, and she doesn't realize they're doing what she wants because no one's talking to each other <laughs> until they finally until they finally have a few brief moments where they finally talk and see, hey, this person is my ally and i've been looking you know they're desperately searching throughout the show for a, a safe you know port in the storm and she's it and we don't ever see that until almost the end you know right. it takes a long time for holden and avasarala and everybody else to line up and be be together the way that you kind of want them to be but even still they don't tell everybody everything they don't say all of what they're doing and there's aspects of things going on elsewhere that they should have told the other ones about, but didn't. And that sticks out to me. Okay. Yeah, I, I just like, I, if I were to summarize it, I feel, I think I've already said it, but the, I like that the show, because they're having to be a more visual medium, focused on more visual storytelling, um, and then they basically have a second crack at the story itself. So, for example, I think one of the benefits of the show is that um, Naomi is a more interesting character in the show. Especially mm -hmm. when uh, she kind of betrays our crew in the in the books, she's lovely and sweet, and with Holden, and they have more of a tense relationship in book two, where he's changed too much. She's become too hard and willing to just kill to get things accomplished, and she's trying to like correct him back to where he was before, where he was more idealistic. In the show, they don't emphasize that nearly as much, but they instead emphasize that her character has loyalties outside of our main group and therefore she has she makes decisions that go against the will of the group and that causes conflict which i think is more interesting frankly um the fred johnson storyline is a little more uh mm -hmm. streamlined for similar reasons so um yeah i mean don't get me wrong i'm not saying i don't like the books at all i love the books the books are so great to read i'm enjoying them i uh excuse me I was reading um, some of the Dune short stories that uh, the son uh, wrote with his co-author. And, yeah, I, I mean, I don't hate those Dune books. They're not terrible, but the writing in the Expanse books are just much better. <laughs> yeah, the Dune books are serviceable and not in a bad way, but the Expanse mm -hmm. is definitely superior quality. And if I had to choose one, uh, you know, the, the expanded Dune universe or the, the – um, the, the expanse books i choose the expanse books so. yeah well so as we know there are nine books in this um series and um nine books in the in the um expanse series there are 11 books overall written by this author that focus around the same universe okay so there's 11 books total nine of them are the actual expanse story and then there's there's uh, two other books that are like um, offer, I guess, like side stories or vignettes or whatever you want to call them right. of other things that are in the Expanse universe. Right. Um, unfortunately, we also know that the uh, Amazon series ended at season six. 
um, there's a bit of a bunch of speculation as to whether or not they're going to actually ever come back and do um, the other three books to complete this series. Um, so far, the answer has been no, but there has been rumors, and I, I say rumors, give you pause there, um, of the broadcast, broadcasting, the production company that did the expanse shopping around um, for other networks to potentially pick it up and do the remaining parts of the show. Interesting. Um, okay. In particular, uh, looking at the streaming platform HBO Max to see if they would be interested. Now, whether or not they would do it, especially for a show that already ran on Amazon for six seasons on Amazon, and they're just coming in to do the last two seasons. I mean, I don't, I don't see it being um, financially advantageous for any of these companies because they would just they would have the source material for so short a time. Yeah, you know, to, to and, and and then they're also doing the end. So unless they found a way to one buy all of the expanse and move the whole thing to their platform and then two extend it out so that they could get their own maybe three four five seasons at least right. out of it i don't see them taking it yeah, now okay. it's it's not to, yeah no, go ahead finish up i was gonna say it's not to say that there's not enough source material that i feel like they couldn't get another three seasons out of the show right. but the temptation to stretch it to get more would be a problem for me because we know that's where filler episodes come in. That's where crazy writers interjecting their own nonsense come in. Right. And are is is the production company if they were able to move, are they going to bring their writing team with them, or is somebody not going to be eligible, going to opt out? We're going to bring in some other like. There's so many other things that would just like mess it up. Right. So it's really just like I I kind of just want Amazon to be like no okay look we'll do it we'll we'll foot the bill finish this out get the last two seasons in and make them full seasons don't give me this season six only six episodes nonsense that you did yeah. in this yeah. last one yeah yeah, or, yeah or ten or like yeah 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 even in the expanse yeah right. yeah the expanse they that's what they did no I want I want the last two seasons I want each season to be. 10 to 13 13 episodes. I want each season to be 13 episodes. <laughs> and I want you to finish the story right. well and truly finish it. Right. Yeah. And th and that's it. Right. Yeah, I was so. just going to say that um you talking about another sh another platform having the shows remind me of the Netflix Marvel shows which you can view if I understand correctly on Disney Plus. If I remember correctly, I watched The Punisher season 2 and Daredevil season 3 on Disney Plus, mm -hmm. not on Netflix. Because uh, mm -hmm. they had for several years been canceled on Netflix by that point. I don't know exactly how Disney Plus got them on Disney Plus versus they had to stay on Netflix because Netflix was the one who produced them originally. Because um, Marvel was originally its own thing until Disney bought it. So I, it's it's a curious question, like what's going on there? But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Yeah, all the, the behind-the-scenes platform negotiating who's going to have what. You know, that was the whole issue with Spider-Man joining the uh, Marvel movies, too, because he was the only Marvel character that was actually owned by Sony, and they didn't want to give it up, and we've got all these. And then, of course, when they did all the Spider-Man crossovers and brought back Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire and the nightmare that went into all that, I mean, it becomes so obvious how greedy people are when you start seeing things like this, because it's like, you're really not going to let them do the movie or use the actor or whatever because they won't pay you enough. Like, it's not like they're saying, give it to us for free, but they ask for so much. It's just like, just give it to them. Just let them, let them do the thing. You're going to make more money in the long term than than anything else, right. right? Than anything else that you might get up front. And often because you were so greedy up front, you stifle the ability to make the final product truly great because they had to pay you off first. Right. So it's just like, man, you guys, you shoot yourselves in the foot more times than you have an actual success. Didn't understand that. Like, especially when something is so popular, like the Spider-Man thing, for example, let them do it. It's going to just do nothing but pay you out in huge dividends in the end. Right. 
the the Netflix owning the you know the Daredevil and Luke Cage and um what was the one the fist one that was terrible Iron Fist oh gosh Iron Fist oh god it was awful <laughs> Danny Rand Danny Rand shut up <laughs> uh, God awful yeah um yeah owned by Marvel but then released to Netflix who then wouldn't give it up for a certain amount of time and so Disney had to put their plans on hold and now here it is and by the time it gets to a point where people can actually watch it and access it and enjoy it, it's been so long that it's almost forgotten. And I feel like sometimes that's the point. So that unless you were already a diehard fan, you're not going to do the due diligence to hunt it down and watch the thing. So you miss out. And, I mean, that was also the case of The Expanse. The Expanse started on the Sci-Fi Channel, then got tossed from the Sci-Fi Channel and bounced around to... A couple of different networks, I think. I think at one point it was on like TNT or something like that. And then it got kicked from there and was just gone until Amazon picked it up. Yeah. So, and we talked about that. You know, that's another reason why the first seasons of The Expanse are, while they're still like visually um, stunning, there's a lot of things they just were completely cut out that were in the books that we did not get uh, see get to see on screen because of budget. Sci-Fi Channel couldn't do the didn't have the budget or wouldn't give them the budget to do it the way that it needed to be done. And then other networks certainly didn't have the budget. And it wasn't until it got to the, uh, to Amazon that we saw it really kind of take off a bit. So it's just like, you guys are ruining great stuff. (laughs) Stop it. Stop it. Meanwhile, we get what? Nine seasons of Grey's Anatomy. I don't know. Just, Something we get, we get something <laughs> terrible. Some show that is still on the air after 15 seasons, and you're just like, why, why, why is this still? Hey man, thing? You, you enjoyed ER, right? <laughs> That's ER was a great show. The Kardashians is not. Yeah. That show's been on for 20 years. Why? I don't understand it. Why? Yeah. Then again, I don't like any reality TV show. I've never watched any of it, so. Yeah. I, I like, like I said, MasterChef or Lego Masters. Those are fun. You know, those are competition okay. shows. I was going to say, I don't consider those reality shows. Yeah. I know. The okay, ones I know where it's, yeah. yeah, well, the ones where it's all about their plotting lives and, oh, my God, they wore this dress and it was in this color and I wore this and it was we in the same color. We all got made up to go sit in a cry- room and talk together right. and we have cameras talk- following us and, and we're throwing look at all- glasses at each other because we're right. nothing else to do on this TV show. Yeah. We're going to sit around this table in our overly done up, heavily makeuped and plastic injected faces <laughs> and, and fake cry about trivialities. I got things to do. Yeah. All right. But I will take a, a second and watch the Great British Bake Off Challenge <laughs> show. That, that show is great. Love that one, yeah. 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 And then my daughter actually found one. It's uh, this guy. His name is Maurice Picard. And he is a. Uh, He's a trained French chef, but his whole stick is that he he goes out into the wilderness and he finds various, you know, animals and whatever else and strips them down and prepares them in the in the greater outdoors and stuff. We watched one where he went out and uh, harvested a bunch of um, seafood and then cooked it right there on the beach. And then there was a one where he he did some ducks and he did some turtles and all kinds of stuff. And we were just fascinated. Yeah. <laughs> My daughter, actually, she absolutely loved it. So we watched that one. And then, um, what's his name? Happy from the Marvel movies. Yeah. He did uh, He did a movie where he played a chef. And then he got so in, enamored with cooking and everything like that that he learned a lot of things. And then he's got a reality show, um, a cooking show, where that's what he does is he makes all these different meals from different cultures and, and food trucks and all the rest of it. And it's great to watch. And he'll have people that come on. And, um, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow was on, which is a funny episode because they were talking about her being in one of the movies. One of the movies. Spider-Man. And she didn't remember yeah. being in the movie yeah, at all. First Spider-Man uh, <laughs> a Homecoming because she has that brief cameo at the end where um, Tony Stark is trying to get. Peter Parker to join the Avengers. And yeah. He's like, oh, I, uh, I'm, uh, I'm your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Thank you, but no thank you. And so she pops out. Is like, are we doing this? And he's like, uh, yeah. And he then apparently pops the question to her. Off uh, 
Yeah, that's right. She I remember, didn't remember that. that she filmed but she <laughs> didn't remember. <laughs> right. She didn't remember. And so they were talking about it. He was like, I was with you. We were in the movie. And she's like, no, I wasn't in that. And he was like, yes, you were. <laughs> it was a it was a great moment. But the show itself is really good. He, he The chef that trained him to do things for his movie is on a lot and continues to like showcase different foods and stuff like that. So um, I think it's just called um, The Chef, kind of like the movie that he was in. So um, if you're interested in any of those, you can also check those out. I think I think it's on Hulu now. It was on Netflix when we watched it, but I think it's on Hulu now. Gotcha. So. Gotcha. Well, all right. Um, this went on quite a bit longer than I thought it was going to. Um, but always a joy to talk and share with you, of course, David. Yeah, um, any, any final thoughts on The Expanse Book 2, which is uh, Caliban's War? Uh, Officer All was a great addition. It's interesting because there's both her and Bobby who are in addition to the main cast, and then we get some scenes from Prax, and then Holden's the only carryover character because the first book is only Holden and Miller. Um, so it's interesting. You had more of a – you had more – a broken up storyline in the sense that you're following more characters than in the first book. Yes. Um, but uh, it still works. Uh, I'm curious to see how they're going to do things in this uh, third book. Looking forward to reading that. Um, again, A Christmas Carol, which is what I'm reading right now. I've read it. Classic Christmas story. If you've ever read it, you should. Or at the very least, you should go watch like the Muppet Christmas Carol because the Muppet version with Michael Caine is fantastic. All of them are fantastic, but that one in particular is great, especially with kids. So, uh, yeah, other than that, yeah, it was great talking. Well, I'm boycotting Christmas movies uh, this year for the (laughs) most part. So I've already watched Die Hard, and that's about as far down the Christmas well I want to go. I am going to be, uh, probably this weekend, I will read more of the third book. Again, I just barely started. It was like two, three pages in. Um, Maneo is is there. And if the you remember anything about... The, the yes. The I was going to say, if you remember... Yeah, if you remember anything about that particular scene and Maneo, the slingshot racer, you know what's coming. Yeah. And I can't wait to get there to see how it's described in the book. <laughs> I've read it. And, I know. Uh, okay. So my, my plan is to read that and then immediately stop and go watch that episode and just <laughs> just take it all in yeah. and see. Well, you actually, know, that's, that's say, my plan. That's another example of the show being a little bit better in the sense that the, they had a chance to work on the on from the books. Because in season one of the show, you might remember Miller goes into like a den of uh, people betting on a slingshot uh-huh. racer. And they watch as the guy gets too close to like Jupiter and burns up in the atmosphere. Blows up. Yeah, um, yeah. So you know it's a dangerous gambling situation that they're doing there. Yes. So we'll be back, I'm sure, um, for for that conversation when we when we get there. But um, if you are following along, if you're reading the Expanse books, uh, anything like that, please feel free if you got any questions, comments, anything that we you feel like we left out or want to hear us talk about, anything like that, please feel free to you know drop us a line. You can do it on any of the videos that you see uploaded on um, YouTube. You can, of course, send them to us via the various social uh, media platforms, you know, our Facebook page and so forth. And, of course, um, Twitter, where tend to be the most active. And, again, you can find us on all those things as The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine broadcast. Um, this has been The Fire Caves After Dark. And uh, until we see you next time, take care of yourselves. Thanks, guys.